Hello and welcome to the Future of Tax podcast series, Private Enterprise Edition. Thank you for joining us for the second half of our two-part episode on ESG in the private enterprise tax space. We had a lot to discuss on the topic, so I'm pleased to be joined once again by Mike Linter, our Global Head of Private Enterprise Tax, KPMG International, based in the UK. Luke Helderman, Global Tax Lead, KPMG ESG, KPMG International and partner based out of the Netherlands. And Shai Manoukan, Policy Lead, KPMG's Private Enterprise Tax Network, based at KPMG in Canada. Mike, Luke and Shai, thank you for taking the time to join us again to continue this conversation on this top of mind topic. Shai, to kick off today's discussion, in our last episode, Luke commented on the importance of companies having comprehensive, exhaustive and transparent data related to their ESG efforts. Do you have any comments you'd like to add to this? I fully agree. Um, the transparency and the move to greater transparency requires companies to be in control of their facts, of their circumstances, to be able to know where from to extract information what they're reporting to the different authorities, what they're reporting in different reports and be in total control of it. It's new for public companies. It's definitely new for private companies. And that will be a core element of compliance in the next few years that when companies will manage to, or try to manage to move from today's scenarios to the future where they have to have consistent and comprehensive disclosure throughout, whether it's ESG, BEPS, or other type of disclosures. Thanks, Shai. And what policy developments have you seen in relation to ESG that may impact private companies? Going back to the the, the policy, as we noted earlier, there is a pressure, and I just mentioned that again, for transparency and disclosure. And uh, a recent article in Forbes.com from the 26th of July of this year dealt with the changing landscape where, you know, there used to be a norm developed back in the 60s, 1960s, 1970s, when mental freedom and free market ideas were developed and got much more spread during the 1980s uh, when uh, leaders as President Reagan in the U.S. or Prime Minister Thatcher in the U.K. were in charge that you can separate your business dealing from other things. And the focus on business was enhancing shareholder value, enhancing and increasing or maximizing return on investment. This is no longer viable because customers, employees, stakeholders, and the public expect the company to behave in a more ethical, more responsible way. Look look to the the responsible tax initiative. And in addition, we see that, you know, a lot of private businesses or their owners make donations, try to support social initiatives. You can no longer separate your business dealing from your donation and social activity in a way. You need to treat everything as one because the public, employees, stakeholders look at that as one. And in this Forbes article, they are dealing with some of the existing practices and what we're likely to see in the future and the fact that going forward, companies will have to align their behavior to be consistent, both in doing business and outside the 
pure business environment. Another thing that is worth mentioning is the fact that there is now a call, there is a critique against the ESG and trying to basically call for separating the E from the S and G. There is an Economist special report uh, from July 23rd of this year that uh, basically calls for uh, building a more sustainable, understandable objective standard for rating companies that would allow businesses, customers, and stakeholders and the public at large to better understand how each business is graded. You know, for example, a business can have a very good governance system and be very responsible, but at the same time, be not very environmentally friendly. And the same can go in uh, the other direction. And uh, basically what the economist is calling for is for ESU 2.0. And this is not really surprising because we've seen it in BEPS, we've seen it in other policy areas. There usually is some sort of a development and evolution of policies over time. You can't get it fully right on the first attempt. There was an evolution with BEPS and we didn't get to BEPS from nowhere. And now we are in BEPS 2.0, and the same is likely to happen with ESG. There's going to be an evolution of how reporting has to be done, how companies are going to be rated, and that will change over time. The key thing for businesses and private businesses in particular is to be on top of things, to act consistently, and to be agile to be able to change quickly as things develop. Thanks, Shai. Private companies are well-placed to move quickly in this environment compared to public companies. What are some of the most common ESG-compliant strategies you're seeing private enterprises implement to drive both top and bottom line growth? Mike? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think this really plays well for private enterprise um, businesses. Luke and Shai have um, spoken around agility and also reputation. So I, I think the other thing of benefit for it is patient capital as well. I've been very impressed by how private enterprise businesses are actually looking at investing in energy transition, but for the long term, they're prepared to make some bold moves around divesting from non-compliant businesses and actually making some long-term investments both in acquisitions and R&D for those businesses that are much more compliant. We've also interesting in seeing folks on the SPs, we've also actually seen them actually really engage with their employees as well. There's a huge piece here around employee engagement and also employee participation and ownership of private companies. We've actually seen that um, really accelerate over the last um, few months that people actually realize what a precious resource their employees are and obviously being compliant to ESG and also that employee participation with everything from employee ownership trusts to employee participation in share schemes, we're seeing an uptick in that. And obviously, because having a, a really focused and loyal employee group is absolutely key to actually supporting businesses' growth and transition. We're also seeing it as well, and, we, and Shai made the point actually, we're actually seeing people really engage, I think, very quickly with lenders as well, not only in terms of banks, but also as we're on further in the supply chain is the fact that they're actually trying to work with the banks to see actually what good looks like in terms of ESG, especially when it comes to actually accessing capital and its cost. And I also think finally, I, I think I think the other piece is that is this interest in supply chains. We've mentioned a couple of times today that the pandemic has actually accelerated and actually changed supply chains. 
we're also seeing businesses really actually making sure those supply chains are compliant and actually promoting that as well and you know from an ethical basis so you add all of those things up um i've been really impressed with how private enterprise businesses have actually embraced this and moved very very quickly to drive both top and bottom line and i'm sure you'll see some really impressive results in the next couple of years from private businesses who've been fast to market and fast to act and mike are you seeing any challenges faced by private enterprises as they work to implement esg strategies specifically from a tax perspective I think it's around resource and data. I mean, I, I think that this is um, obviously people's ability to be compliant and transparent is only good at the, you know, the amount of resource they can deploy here and the data that's based on. So we are seeing businesses absolutely want to comply, but it's a, it's a very fast moving space, not only in terms of the regulatory environment and the compliance um, environment, but also business models have changed as well. So I, I think they're the two things actually, is that how do you actually get the resource or how do you actually procure the advice you need to be to actually look into these changes? And also how do you actually access the data as well? Because obviously the it's a it's a very fast evolving world in terms of data requirements. And I still think a number of private enterprise businesses still need some help to actually do those two things. Thanks, Mike. And Luke, any thoughts on this? I fully agree with uh, with Mike and, and I alluded to indeed the data extraction for tax transparency reporting and indeed the support from maybe some technology in this uh, in this area is is getting more and more important for larger multinationals, listed companies and larger uh, private enterprise. This is, in my view, very, very important. But I would also like to say a bit more about about purpose of, of the company, the overall approach towards sustainability and meeting, for instance, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, because that is usually the sort of approach companies take. And in my view, the approach for, for tax must be embedded, and that's purpose, in the overall approach towards sustainability within the company. There may be a difference between the various industries companies are active in, as some are very transparent about their tax policies, and, and the amounts of tax being paid, even on a country by country basis, and others are more, yeah, I would call it maybe conservative about, about this and, and are, are basically looking also at what competition is doing. And, and they will recognize and, and include in their assessment the impact, let's say, these disclosures may have on, on competition and, and, and to what extent they want to disclose information. And, and that is understandable in, in my view and can be explained. And as long as a company can explain what they uh, disclose and why they disclose it. That's, that's I think, the right uh, approach and that's coming back to the right narrative be behind your strategies. And Shai, any challenges you're seeing from a policy perspective? There are a couple of challenges. First, you know, looking from the business perspective, businesses will need to be uh, agile and quickly respond to changes because there are likely to be many changes and they'll need to, to find a way to be both consistent and quite uh, extensively today. Second thing is that governments and intergovernmental bodies will need to work together to develop a more objective, coherent and unified criteria for reviewing, rating businesses and non-fiscal uh, metrics. In similar lines to what the Economist special report I mentioned earlier referred to, this is also to allow businesses to reduce their burden of compliance. They need to have uh, an understandable, coherent, consistent system for disclosure. Because if each country has its own unique system, that can 
create a, a big burden on businesses to, uh, to comply with. And lastly, uh, and I think this is more of a, of a positive, proactive note, businesses will need to look, be on the lookout for environmentally friendly legislation that will be offered by different governments to offer incentives for businesses to comply if they act in an environmentally friendly way. Uh, this can be a, a big win for businesses if they are able to identify uh, legislation that are consistent and help their business model and that they can benefit from the incentive provided by these uh, legislations. Thanks, Shai. As we note, the past few years have brought geopolitical shifts, technological innovation, globalisation and new business and consumer demands. And sound tax advice is now more crucial than ever. What are some of the most common questions you're hearing from private enterprise clients lately in regard to ESG? Mike? I think first and foremost, I think there's a, there's a need for a common na- narrative and a benchmarking here. I think that I think we, we've got a real role to play, I think, in helping our clients actually establish that. Obviously, many of these businesses are obviously very successful businesses, but don't have the type of support. And I think in terms of um, management layers, I think that's some of the PLCs have. So I think it's really important, I think, that we can actually help them with that. I think if you're a private enterprise business, you have got very few benchmarks, public available benchmarks, I think that's something that they're asking for. I think this is really interesting. ESG has become both a domestic and international issue as well. Um, not only with all, I think uh, Luke and Shai and I have mentioned supply chains a number of times, but it's also around complexity now around things such as customs duty as well. It's a fast moving world with geopolitics and actually making sure businesses are compliant in a number of different jurisdictions is absolutely key now. And I think the third thing is, is that obviously many businesses have actually had to find new routes to market. They are now multi-channel businesses and actually making sure that they're actually appraised and aware of the implications of those. Shai's mentioned BEPS and uh, Luke's mentioned in terms of the fact that the the need for rigour and disclosure. I think that's absolutely right. So I think what's happened, I think, for businesses that their business models have changed so quickly over the last two years. I think it's now a time for them to reflect, to actually make sure that actually that not only are they compliant, but they're actually maximising the opportunities around ESG and actually making sure they're projecting that to their customers and teams as well. Great. Thanks, Mike. And any final thoughts to wrap things up, Luke? Yeah, maybe a comment from, from my side or a few points. Well, first of all, this topic won't go away. It it will be there for uh, for the future. And in the close to 40 years of experience in tax, uh, I've spent 25 years with a large multinational and 12 years with, with KPMG. There has been, a, an, I would call, an evolution in terms of tax advisory services and, and the way taxpayers behave in terms of the tax policies. And the theme of responsible tax, and we touched on this many times, is front of mind today. And and we already talked about tax transparency, social behavior of companies and and its management. I also mentioned the importance of environmental, the E in ESG, and and for a company to be in control of its incentives, its credits, its subsidies, as well as environmental taxes it needs to pay. Tax is an instrument, as, as we always professionals, to change behavior, and it's probably seen by governments as a means to reach their sustainability goals as as well. So getting to also a net zero position for for the country. And the EU Green Deal, we didn't talk about it, but it's a very important development which which people should bear in mind. If countries will be 
focusing on these instruments, companies will be exposed to many new regulations. And, and in the EU Green Deal, uh, quite a few will, will pop up and where they must make sure that they are in control and, and that they comply with it, but also optimize positions and maybe do some tax planning and, and mitigating that risk. And maybe worth mentioning that, that as KPMG, we have developed a global tax and, and regulatory database to, to follow all those uh, developments, as well as a climate policy dashboard to, to advise and help clients in, in making their, their assessments. Companies, in my view, at the finance function, tax departments with larger multinationals must consider all these challenges, in addition to already existing many challenges they, they have. It is about, let's say, the finance and possibly the, the tax teams being closely connected with all business functions, understanding the objectives of the company, and as I mentioned earlier, the purpose of the company. And maybe one final point uh, which I would like to add is that we are seeing is that everyone is, is at a different stage in, in, in this journey. And this is new and, and a developing area for all businesses across all sectors, across all industries. And people can learn from, from each other. The impact of climate change, as we all know, is enormous. And, and we've seen that, let's say, scientists have, have come up with very dramatic reports and, and many companies, is our uh, view, will embed ESG and sustainability in all the work they are doing. And, and that's the same for, for us as tax professionals. Maybe this sounds a bit dramatic, but it's it's meant to be an, an upbeat comment. Huh? The attention and action for mitigating climate change will also allow us as tax professionals to contribute to improvements in terms of, let's say, the climate change that is emerging. So very, very important topic in my view. Mike? I think absolutely endorse what Luke said about this is one of the biggest changes we've seen. But but I, I do think this is a great opportunity for private enterprise businesses. We've talked in our previous podcasts around the focus on uh, reputation around these businesses being agile and also their ability to invest for the long term. I think all of these actually allow private enterprise businesses not only to embrace ESG, but also to actually invest for the long term. And I think they really can be at the forefront of not only adopting ESG, but also I think actually thriving in a world where ESG is going to be a common benchmark once it's evolved. And um, I, I, I do see very positive opportunities for private enterprise businesses in this space. And Shai, any final thoughts from you? I want to summarize three takeaway that I have for, for our listeners and for private companies. One, we mentioned quite a lot, reputation and consistency. I think this is the core. Companies have to make sure that they guard their reputation, they develop their purpose, and they act consistently in furthering this purpose and preserving their reputation. The second thing is being in control of the facts, having a view of the big picture, but not losing sight of the details because there are different reportings and they may need to make sure that everything is in line. It's no longer the tax department in the back office just doing returns. It's being involved with the business, understanding the big picture, making sure that the reportings are consistent and are supporting the goals of the company. And last thing, agility. There will be a lot of changes and companies will have to act quickly and be very agile 
to be able to adapt to new environment as the environment keeps changing. That's great. Thanks, Shai. And thank you all for such a great discussion. That's all we have time for today, but join us again next time as we look at some of the major focus areas Mike highlighted as top of mind for private enterprise tax leaders, including a look at digital transformation and how private enterprises are evolving their processes and tax functions through technology. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.